We have been in this series for the last several weeks, and I hope you've been enjoying it, uh, of the subject, the topic is really talking about the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is uh, part of the Trinity. We have the Father, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And, uh, uh, and a lot of times we can understand who God the Father is, and a lot of times we can understand who God the Son is, but a lot of times I think we struggle about who the Holy Spirit is, God the Holy Spirit. Uh, we, we consider him a uh, a thing, not a person. He's a spirit. Ooh, he's a person. The Holy Spirit is a person who we can have a relationship with. And in fact, Jesus calls him our helper. And so I've tried to present this in such a way where it's been a very practical uh, uh, understanding of who the Holy Spirit is instead of some unreachable, un misunderstood entity that's out there. He walks with us. He, he lives in us, actually. He talks with us. He, he helps us along the way. And so that's what we've been looking at. And today I want us to look at the Holy Spirit and how he gives us wisdom. And actually I'm going to break this up into two different parts. I'm going to take one scripture and I'm going to do a couple of points on it this week and then finish up the, next, the, the other two next week on talking about uh, wisdom. Now I just want to start off by telling you this story. Now, this is a true story. There's this college professor. It's a true story, wink, wink. Uh, this college professor was lecturing with his students uh, one day, and all of a sudden, this angel appeared before the whole group as the professor was lecturing. And, and the, the angel said this. He says, you can either have massive wealth, you can have unlimited wisdom, or you can have unmatched beauty. Which of those three would you like to choose? And then the professor thought for just a moment. He said, you know what? I'll take the unlimited wisdom. And the angel said, done. And then he disappeared in a cloud of whatever they disappear in, right? So then after a few moments, the students uh, were watching this professor and uh, they were curious as to what this now all-wise man would say. What would be the first words out of his mouth? And so finally, uh, the professor, they said to the professor, one of them says, well, say something, oh, wise one. Give us your wisdom. And the professor paused for a moment, and then he thought for a second, and then he, filled with unlimited wisdom, said these very profound words. He says, I should have taken the money. Yeah. So I want to ask you this morning, are, are you a wise person? Are, are things that you say and things that you do wise? Now, I'm not asking if they're legal. I'm not asking if they're acceptable. I'm not asking if they're allowed. <laughs> but are they wise? Because there's a lot of things that are legal and uh, they're not wise. <laughs> you know, you, you can drink yourself into oblivion. That's legal to do, but it's, it's not wise. You can use recreational drugs that are legal out there. Some of them are legal. Marijuana, for example. But is it wise? No. Getting into debt. You could spend yourself into the deepest, darkest hole, but is it wise? It's legal. But is it wise? How about overeating or, or, or doing anything that would harm your body in that way? Uh, it, you could do it, but is it wise? How about gossiping? That's legal, but is it wise? How about social media drama? You get on there and stir things up all the time. It's absolutely legal, but is that wise to get involved in all that drama? How about sex outside of marriage? It's legal. Is it wise? How about pornography? It's legal, but is it wise? The list can go on and on. All of these are legal, but are they wise? The person of the Holy Spirit, as we've been talking about over the last several weeks, 
helps us in so many ways. The spirit of Christ, the spirit of all wisdom is who he is. In fact, Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2. In fact, Isaiah, if you read the book of Isaiah, it regularly visits uh, prophetically. uh, It speaks about Jesus regularly. And Isaiah 11, verse 2, is one of those verses. And it's speaking about Christ coming up soon to be birthed in the next hundred or thousand years or so. As Isaiah wrote this, he was prophesying about Jesus. And he said this, And the Spirit of the Lord will rest upon him, that's Jesus, and the Spirit of wisdom and understanding will be upon him, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Uh, So it's talking about how the Spirit of wisdom is going to be resting upon Jesus. He is wise. Proverbs chapter 4, if you read it, it's a wonderful chapter. I would encourage you to read it later on. But Proverbs chapter 4, part of it says to get wisdom above all things. And in fact, it says, even if it costs you everything, get wisdom. Godly wisdom, I hope that you would agree, is so needed in our generation. Godly wisdom is so needed right now where we are. There's so much foolishness that's going on right now in the world. In our leadership, in our government, there's so much foolishness. There's so much foolishness in our, in our entertainment. There's so much foolishness even in the church. There's a lot of foolishness that's going on. There's some unwise people doing unwise things. And by the way, all that foolishness is always going to lead to devastation and always going to lead to tragedy in any life, no matter who you are. And while we can't be responsible for what the government does or what the entertainment industry does or even what other leaders do in other parts of leadership in the world, what we can do is be responsible for what we do and how we live and the choices we make for ourselves. And I would encourage you today that let one of those choices be to pursue godly wisdom. I believe all of us want to make a difference in our lives. Do you want to make a difference in your life? Do you want to make sure that your life counts for something today? You know, I I believe that, as I said last week, no one's going to live forever. And I believe that as we're all going to die one day, we all want to make an impact in this short life that God has given us. We're here today, we're gone tomorrow. And we want to know at the end of our life that it counted for something. We want to be sure that we didn't waste it on things that don't matter. Mark 8:36, Jesus said these words. He says, what good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? You pursue all these different things and yet what good is it if you don't really have anything that amounts to anything eternal? It's really a frightening thought because it means that you can be rich, you can be famous, you can be popular by the world standards. You can be at the top of your career ladder. You can be at the top of your game and you can come to the end of your life and only to hear to God say one, one day as you're standing before him that what you did really didn't amount to anything. I don't want those words to be said by God about me. How about you? I want you to think about it for a moment. Which life made a more eternal impact? Was it Billy Graham or was it Elvis Presley? Both very popular, very famous people, but which left a more eternal impact? You see, if the soul is lost, the whole person is lost. You can't make a deal with God to get your soul back after it's gone. We need God's wisdom because so much is at stake in our earthly lives and in our eternity. And we're going to look at the letter of James today, the book of James. Because he brings us back to this point over and over again. In fact, James talks a lot about wisdom as well. If you want to go and read something about wisdom, Proverbs is a great book. James is a good book. 
And so you bring this book of James and he talks about, you look at the book of James and he points over and over because, uh, about wisdom because wisdom matters. Wisdom matters more than money. Wisdom matters more than education. Wisdom matters more than good looks. So let me begin with a statement for you today. Imagine if James, the author of the book of James, who by the way was Jesus' half-brother, what if he were here today standing before you and he silently was surveying all of us and he then makes this bold request he says, who is wise among you? Please stand. Now that, that's all he says. Who is wise among you? Please stand. Now we're not sure what to do because maybe that feels like a trick question. Maybe you're being presumptuous if you stand up. Well, I'm wise. Are you really wise? You don't want to seem too arrogant about this, do you? We can't be sure really about something like that. It's kind of an uncomfortable thing to think about when you self-analyze who you are, are you a wise person? So you just stay seated. Well, maybe it'd be better if, if James would look around and say, tell you what, everybody together, I want you to just kind of take a survey and then I want you to say, all right, pick out the wise people from among you and then have them stand. That might be a little bit easier. Well, I think so-and-so is wise. I think so-and-so. We can coalesce and vote and say, well, okay, two, three people, five or six people, half dozen, whatever. Those are the wise ones. That might be a little easier to do. But here's really what James said in 3.13. James 3.13. He says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done, in the humility that comes from wisdom. Keep that up there for just a second, if you will. So I ask you again, who is wise among us? Who is wise among us based on that criteria? Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life and by the deeds done and the humility that comes from wisdom. That's really some keys right here that we're going to be looking at over the next couple of weeks as to what wisdom in Christ really is. You know, wisdom, by the way, can't be hidden. We know it when we see it and we know it when we hear it. We also know what a fool is. The fool may keep silent, and for a while others will think him to be wise, but eventually the fool must speak and act, and the truth will come out. There's an old saying that says it this way, better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to speak and remove all doubt. Actually, there's a scripture that talks about this in Proverbs 17:28. It says this, it says, even fools are thought wise if they keep silent and discerning if they hold their tongues. Yeah. So I ask you this again. Are you a wise person? But before you answer, I want us to take a look again at this verse in James. Just this one verse, he gives us four keys to a wise living in the Holy Spirit that I hope and I trust will be very helpful to us today. So here's the truth in one sentence. In fact, if you will, just put it up on the screen. And if you're taking notes, I hope you are. And if you aren't, start now. Take some notes. Write this down. It says, a seeking heart makes wise choices that produce a beautiful life marked by a gentle spirit. Write that down. Because that's what we're going to be looking at the next couple of weeks. A seeking heart makes wise choices that produce a beautiful life marked by a gentle spirit. Keep that up there for just one moment, if you will. Give people a chance to write that down. If you're at home, write that down as well if you're watching from home. So again, I'm going to cover the first two this week, and then I'm going to cover the next two, the last two next week. So here's the first one. 
The first one is cultivating a seeking heart. That's what we're looking at. Seeking a, uh, a seeking heart makes wise choices. Cultivating a seeking So how do we cultivate a seeking heart? James asked the question, who is wise among you? So where does wisdom begin, in other words? How do we get back to even being wise? Remember that wisdom is much more than accumulation of knowledge. It's, it's more than reading books and attending classes, as good as that is and as important as that is. And thank you for all of you who are experts in your field because you've studied and you've worked at it. But we've known a lot of very smart people who've wasted their life with foolish choices, have we not? Wisdom is not about the letters after your name, necessarily. Studying and knowledge are good and they're important, but disconnected from the heart, that head knowledge is incomplete. In fact, Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you will seek me and find me when you search for me with what? All of your heart. All of your heart. It's a heart issue. I gotta say this, with God, everything is a heart issue. Everything in our lives is a heart issue including seeking, and be, seeking after his wisdom and wanting to be and pursuing wisdom. This isn't a head knowledge in our lives in a relationship with him. It's always a heart pursuit when it comes to relationship. It's an intimacy with God. Remember we said in Isaiah 11 too, the spirit of the Lord will rest upon him, talking about Christ. In other words, the Holy Spirit is not going to come and go on Christ, but the Holy Spirit's going to remain with Christ. The Holy Spirit's going to abide with him, hang out with him, go with him wherever he goes, never leave him, be his constant companion. And as the Spirit is with Christ, the Holy Spirit is with us as well. He will never leave us. He will abide with us. He will never forsake us. The Holy Spirit is our constant companion as we pursue him. I love the King James version of this verse in Psalm 63.8. It says, my soul follows hard after you. My soul follows hard. We read it in NIV. It says, my soul clings to you. But the King James version, I just like that version better. Maybe because there's a song that's written about it. But my soul follows hard after you. You see, it's a daily, ongoing ever-growing relationship that's cultivated by a heart that's prioritized and seeks hard after God. Let me ask you this question. How hard do you seek after God? Or maybe let me ask it another way. Do you seek as hard after God as you do other passions in your life? Do you take the time? Do you expend the energy? Do you prioritize your day hard going after God like you do the other stuff that fills your thoughts and fills your activities throughout your days? Because if you want godly wisdom, the pursuit of God is the God of all wisdom. Pursue hard after him like you do other things. By the way, you may say, well, I have a hard time finding God. God is not hard to find. God is not hard to find. He's not playing hide and seek with you. He's not playing cat and mouse with you. He doesn't show up when he wants to and then disappears and you're saying, well, where's God? He's like, he can't find me. I'm just playing it. No, he's there. He's not hard to find. He puts himself in plain view in front of you. He's with you all the time. Not hard to find. But we're like a person who drives all the way to Disney World but he never gets out of their, his car 
Because they, all they all the while, they're just looking at his, he's just looking at his social media. Imagine going to the parking lot of Disney World and sitting there on your phone and just going on Facebook, Instagram, all the rest of that stuff. Wow, that's interesting. Oh, that's so cool. Oh, <laughs> that's funny. And all the while, there's people having a good time in Disney World. And then the person comes back and says, I went to Disney World. <laughs> but they might as well have stayed home because they didn't see a thing. They didn't engage in a thing. Disney World was there the whole time. God is there the whole time. We can get distracted doing other things, you see. But he's there with us. So the first step in acquiring wisdom is simply to desire it, to pursue it, to follow hard with it and him more than anything else in our lives. And to desire it, you must desire a relationship with God more than anything else. Because it's only as you pursue intimacy with God and reverence him in your lives that you can gain godly wisdom. Psalm 110, I'm sorry, Psalm 111, verse 10, says the reverence of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Some of you might read it as the fear of the Lord. We're not to be afraid of God, by the way. Fear means reverence. Fear means respect. Fear means that, God, you are God, and I'm going to acknowledge you as the Holy One of all the universe, and I will reverence you if it means it turns into a little bit of fear, that's okay because I want to fear what God's going to do as a result of me not reverencing him, right? What my sins will do to bring it back to me and not in a good way. That's what I would fear. But I'm going to reverence God. How about you? How about you this morning? Are you going to reverence God? Are you to desire him more than anything? Because as you reverence him, that's the beginning of wisdom. It's like the door into it. I'm going to reverence you, I'm going to respect you, and that's where I'm going to learn how to be wise in you. That's what it's talking about. Now, this wisdom is free, but it'll cost you everything. Godly wisdom is free, but godly wisdom will cost you all that you have. And because wisdom is supreme among the virtues, as Proverbs 4 says, it can't be had at a bargain basement price. There's no coupons to gain godly wisdom. I know we're coming up on Christmas. You're not going to find it on Black Friday, some special deal for godly wisdom. It's just not there. You're not going to be able to wrap up godly wisdom in a box and get it or give it for Christmas this year. You can't become wise by accident. You must search after wisdom as you were searching for silver or gold, or diamonds, or anything else that's precious in your life, seek after it. It all starts with a seeking heart that follows hard after God. So who is wise among you? He asks the question. In essence, he's saying, who is seeking hard after God? Who, is having, who has a seeking heart that pursues him more than anything else? And you know what? I, here's what I believe. I believe that as you seek hard after God, you're going to gain his wisdom. But I also believe that whatever other righteous thing that you desire in the spiritual realm, that you also, if you seek after God and diligently and passionately pursue him, that you can gain those things as well. Whatever righteous thing in the spiritual realm you want it can be yours. If you want to walk, have a closer walk with God, you can have it as you pursue him. If you want to, if you want to do God's will in your life, if you want to do God's will, that will that he has for you, you can do it as you pursue a relationship with him. 
You can be an effective witness for Christ. Do you want to be an effective witness for Christ? Because you can as you pursue a relationship with him, as you follow hard after him. If you want to learn how to pray effectively and powerfully, you can as you pursue and follow hard after God in relationship with him. If you want to grow spiritually, you will as you follow hard in a passionate pursuit of God. If you want to become the man of God or the woman of God or the young person of God that he's called you to be, you will will become that as you pursue a passionate uh, relationship with him and follow hard after him. If you want to break those destructive patterns of behavior in your life, that can be done as you pursue a passionate relationship with God Almighty. The question is, do you want to? I mean, do you really want to? What you seek, you find. You become what you prioritize and you, and you pursue. This is true in every area of life. There's a saying many centuries ago from St. Augustine. He explained both the problem and the solution when he said this. He says, oh God, you have made us for yourself. And our hearts are restless until they find rest in you. It's true. It's another phrase that is akin to that that you probably have heard. There's a God-shaped hole in all of our hearts that only God can fill. It's the same idea. By the way, don't seek wisdom. Seek the God of wisdom. Let's be careful with this. God, I want wisdom. No, how about God, I want you. Because when you seek his hand, his things, there's a disconnect but if you seek his face in relationship, boy, you'll get everything else, including his wisdom. We'll never be happy until we put God first in our life, and we can never do that until we surrender our lives to Jesus Christ. In the kingdom of God, everything begins with a seeking heart. That's what brought us here even today. And I just want to say thank you for coming, for prioritizing church today. You're showing the Lord you're making a statement to the world. I'm a God seeker. I'm a Jesus follower. I, I'm a Holy Spirit need his help lover. I, I, I rely on Christ in my life. I, I'm walking relationship with him. And you're coming here today to enjoy relationship not only with the Lord but with one another. And we're engaging in his word and his Holy Spirit is ministering to you. I commend you. I applaud you. Thank you for prioritizing. Coming to church this morning. You could have slept in. You could have done other things. Thank you. Thank you for watching this online. Thank you for prioritizing. But it all begins with a seeking heart. And Lord, won't you fulfill our seeking hearts today as we seek you? Won't you satisfy our seeking with who you are even more so? When we leave here today, Lord, help us to be different than when we came in. Amen? Help us to be transformed in your word, more like you than when we, when we walked in. Amen? Our hearts were seeking as we followed, as we accepted Christ and the Holy Spirit pointed us to Jesus. So if you want wisdom, you can have it. If you want wisdom, godly wisdom, you can have it. it it's free. It's going to cost you all that you have. And by the way, that's not a bad thing. I mentioned that a moment ago. Oh, it's going to cost me everything that I have. No, it's really, that's a good thing. Actually a good thing because all we really need is found in Christ anyway. If you have Christ, you found the best treasure in all the universe. And he's worth the trade. I promise you. That's going to lead us to the second key in our wise living today that, that James wrote about. And that is this. 
making wise choices. So we have cultivating a seeking heart, and then that cultivating a seeking heart will help us to make wise choices. Now James asks, who has understanding among you? It's the next question that he asks. Who's wise among you? Who has understanding among you? Now this word understanding here has the idea of being a specialist. How many knows what a specialist is? Of course you know what that is. Let's talk about that in just a second. Maybe in a medical field, if you get cancer, you're going to see an oncologist. That's a specialist, someone who knows what they're doing, specifically about cancer. If your child is sick, you're going to take that child to a pediatrician. If your teeth hurt, you're going to a dentist. There's specialists in those fields. I wouldn't go to a, if my tooth hurt, I wouldn't go to a construction site and ask a guy who's a carpenter that hammers in nails, you know, <laughs> into wood all day to check this tooth that's hurting right there. I, I'd be worse shape than I was before. I'm going to go to a specialist. We see this type of specialization in every area of life. A gifted musician devotes years to mastering her instrument. A woodworker hones his skills over time to create the finest and most beautiful furniture. Valuable things come through time, come through being a specialist. And by the way, no one becomes a specialist by accident or overnight. There's no such thing as an overnight sensation. It takes time. You got to spend time with it. The more you do something, the more of an expert you'll be, the more of a specialist that you will become at it. Now, I only know of two ways to become a specialist in the Christian life, and that is people and pain. I didn't say people are a pain. Don't, don't write that down, although you might be saying, you know. People and pain. Let's talk about people for a second. How we can become a specialist with people. Actually, I was talking with Roger Lasham about this yesterday. Let's pray for him. He, was, he had a, a mild stroke Friday night. They caught it in time to where they were able to put some, something in him. And I can't remember the name of it, but it, 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 it cut it off at the pass. And so I visited with him yesterday, he and Leola, at the hospital. And he was just as ornery as ever <laughs> and doing fine and uh so we love you roger and leola and the, he's still there in the hospital but let's pray for him but we talking yesterday in the hospital and he was saying um he said you know hanging around people that helps you to learn some stuff and i thought to myself man that's my message just for, for tomorrow okay brother talk to me a little bit about it but you know we learn a great deal simply by hanging around people who are wiser than we are they're just i don't know better at those certain areas. You know what I'm talking about. That's why the Bible talks about in Titus chapter 2. In fact, write that down, Titus chapter 2. I want you to read that later on as well. But in essence, it says that older men and older women are to mentor younger men and younger women. We're to take the wisdom that we have, not necessarily from our age, but from our specialties and experience and our wisdom, the things that God has placed in our hearts over the years, and allowed us to do over and over and over again to where we become really good at it. Either a trade or the way that we think or the way that we walk with the Lord, experiences that we've had in our lives that we can say, let me tell you what that's going to do if you make that decision. Here's the end result and it's not going to be good. Here's a better path. That's called mentoring. That's called helping other people. Titus chapter 2 says that we're to do that. Not just old chronologically, but old specialty-wise, where we have a lot of experience in those areas. We can be young and be a specialist. Young folks need good examples to show them how to make wise choices about dating, marriage, starting a career, raising children, serving the Lord. Absolutely. 
we can speak into their lives, those of us who've been around a little while. New believers need to know how to pray and how to read the Bible and how to share their faith. They need to know how to make tough decisions that honor the Lord and help them to push away those temptations that they've been used to giving into up to that point. By the way, there's a lot of examples in mentoring the Bible. We can go back to Moses, mentor Joshua. We can go to Elijah, mentored Elisha. Paul, mentored Timothy. And we certainly know that Jesus mentored and spoke into his 12 disciples, among others. You know, a lot of us have such a great opportunity to share what we've learned over the years in our walk with the Lord. I just want to speak to all of us here today about this, and I want you to consider something. God has given you a wealth of practical wisdom in so many areas in your life. The experience to speak into other people's lives and the opportunity that is there is right before you. So I want to ask you, are you actively mentoring anyone? It may be a once a week set aside time or it may be just as as you go sort of opportunities that are not necessarily scheduled but as the as the moments and teachable moments arise but are you actively looking around in your life whether it be your your spouse your children your grandchildren your co-workers your classmates your neighbors people in your life that we can mentor that we can that, that we can help them as we see them heading maybe down a path that's not necessarily the best, and that we can speak into their lives, are you doing that? Are you actively, not accidentally, but actively mentoring anyone? Is there someone that you can take time to pour into their lives, that you can take them under your, under your wings, that you can intentionally share what God has shown you over the years, where you've been poured into, where you can pour into them? Right? Where you've been spoken into, where you can speak into them. Is, are you doing that? It, it's a great question that we need to ask ourselves and then step in to say, wait a minute, I'm really not. It's really kind of been more all about me and I'm kind of just, you know, keeping to myself or whatever. I, I want to encourage you to take the specialties that God has placed in your life and helped to cultivate over the years and to mentor someone, even if it's just one person, Speak into their lives and help them out. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you who that person is. They've probably been there all along. But the Holy Spirit can reveal it to you. Continue to make your life count for the Lord all the days of your life so that, as I said at the beginning, as we want to make our lives count, one of the ways that we can is to take what God has placed in us and place it into others. We can mentor someone and we can make our life count. I do know this, that you have a lot to offer as a specialist in your life. You know, the Bible says freely receive, freely give. What you've received in your life, man, let's give it out. Let's not take it with us. Let's not let it die with us. Let's let it be something that we pass on to the next generation, amen? So that's the people that we hang around, of which we are the people. There's a lot of people that we can mentor even in our body of believers here. The next thing I want to talk about is we, as we can... As we can cultivate, not just cultivate a, a seeking heart, but also help to make wise choices. We can not only learn from people, we can also learn from pain. Now, there's one way that we can grow is hanging around people. We can hang around people and, and learn. We can grow through pain as well. No one likes the idea of going through pain, but no one is exempt from pain either, are we? James said in chapter one of his book, 
verses 2 through 4, that our trials produce perseverance that leads to spiritual growth so that we lack nothing that we would need. There's something about the trials, not if we go through trials, but when we go through trials. How many has ever gone through a trial? Yeah. All the rest of you guys, if you're not raising your hands, I'll help you out with that. Come and see me later on. I can put you through a trial. You'll see what I'm, you'll see what I'm talking about. I'll, get you, I'll, I'll put you through it. We all go through trials. It's not if, but when. But those trials produce perseverance. And those, the perseverance leads to spiritual growth. And it, really it's God's goal for us when we go through trials is that we ultimately would, would lack nothing. And that's really growing in wisdom, is it not? It's becoming a specialist. It's becoming complete. Job 23.10 uh, reminds us, and Job, boy, he went through a lot, didn't he? Job 23.10 is they're right in the middle of this conversation that he's having with these guys. It's a big, long book. There's a big payoff at the end, but you've got to go through a lot of chapters to get to it. But right in the smack in the middle of it, Job 23.10 reminds us that when we have passed through the furnace of affliction, that will come out on the other side purer gold. And it's the right kind of gold. It's the real kind of gold. If we cooperate with God, if we don't try to shortchange those trials that we go through and those hard times that we go through, they will become an avenue for us to be an enormous spiritual growth opportunity. Those pains of trials become an opportunity for us to be more wise in Christ if we so choose. Now those that pan for gold know that there's the real gold and they also know that there's what they call fool's gold. It looks like gold to the naked eye but it isn't and that fool's gold is worth absolutely nothing. Too many Christians I believe settle for fool's gold in the choices that they make. They go for the flash in the pan. They go for the easy out. They go for the things that are just as smooth as possible because that's our human nature. We don't like pain and suffering. But we have to be careful because in the times that we are facing those difficult times, depending on the choices that we make, either we're going to trust in the Lord or we're going to take the easy way out, we can either become pure gold or we can have fool's gold in our lives. And I believe it's God's will for us to come out pure gold, pure gold, and not have a fool's gold lifestyle. You know, what may seem right at the beginning is going to lead to a lot of pain later on as we, if we take a path of least resistance, the easy way out. In fact, Proverbs fourteen twelve says, there's a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. That's fool's gold. The world has a lot of easy paths, church, and they'll be offered to you at any given moment. Young people, listen to me today. There's a lot of easy paths. There's a lot of tantalizing and appealing paths for you. But it will ultimately lead to death and pain and suffering and struggle. It won't be good. And I'll revert back here to say, those of us who have been around a little while and know what I'm talking about can say amen to that, correct? Which means that we can speak into their lives so it's us speaking into their lives, but let me just come to the other side to say if someone's speaking into your life, listen. Listen to them. They know what they're talking about. They care for you. They want to see you do well. They don't want to see you make the same mistakes you made. Right? 
They're trying to help you to get a path that, yeah, you're going to go through trials, but there's going to be some pure gold that will come out of it if you'll pursue God. Have a seeking heart that follows hard after him. And then in the painful times, endure it. Persevere so that through it, you can become wiser and more like Christ and grow and become more complete. <clears throat> the world has a lot of easy paths. And they're not going to result in anything but fool's gold. But God wants to produce in all of us pure gold, that real stuff. So when we go through pain, let me encourage you to let God do his work. Because you will come out on the other side pure gold. James encourages us to have understanding, to pursue being a specialist in wisdom. So that, so that that becomes a second nature to you. You know what I'm talking about, second nature? You don't have to think about it anymore. It's just an automatic, yeah, I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going in that direction. It's an automatic second nature because you've worked that muscle over the years. You've resisted it enough. You've pursued the good stuff enough. You've allowed the Lord to work in you enough to where you're mature. And it becomes second nature to you. Let me give you a simple definition of, of the word understanding that James had in mind. And that's this. It's the ability to make wise choices under pressure. Write that down. Understanding in the, in, in the way that James was talking about is the ability to make wise choices under pressure. Now, most of us can make wise choices if we have a few days to think about it. You know, the old pressure tactic that you have when you're in the sales office of whatever, timeshare, buy a car, those sort of things. This is the best thing in the world. You will never regret it. It's only this much money a year and you can use it, blah, blah, blah. Oh, it sounds really good. I think I'm going to do it. If you walk away from there a day or two, you realize like, that was the stupidest. I would never do that. I'm, that I would, I'm so glad that I walked away from that. How many knows what I'm talking about? Many of us can make wise choices if we have a few days to think about it, but life usually doesn't work that way. We often are forced to make split-second decisions every day about what we're going to say, where we're going to go, who we're going to be with, what jokes we're going to tell, what activities that we're going to participate in, and whether or not we're going to stand up for our faith. Those are usually instantaneous choices that we have to make. And folks, it seems that today we're on the firing line all the time on those sort of things. Maybe more so for our children and teenagers. And by the way, let me encourage you today, pray for your children. Pray for your grandchildren, that they'll have wisdom from God to choose what's best in their lives when they don't have much time to make up their minds in the peer pressure that they're living in. In fact, can we just do that right now? I just feel like we need to. Lord, for our children, our grandchildren, the teenagers in our life, those that we care so much about, Lord, let them make wise choices. Let them resist the temptations. Let them not give in, Lord God, to these things of the peer pressure of their so-called friends. If they were truly their friends, they wouldn't put pressure on them. But Father, I pray that they would walk in holiness and righteousness and purity. Keep them safe. Let them have a heart, Lord God, for you. Let them cultivate a seeking heart that pursues you more than anything else so that they can then make wise choices. And help us all, Lord God, to do that. We pray for our children and our, our grandchildren today, wherever they are, whatever station in their life, Lord God, watch over them. Let them make wise choices. Thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah. So I just want to encourage you, for all of us today, our children, teenagers, grandchildren, adults, 
Pray and ask God to help you make wise choices when you're under pressure because we're all facing pressure in our lives. We all know what happens when a lump of coal is put under extreme pressure, don't we? Some of you are wearing that on your finger or around your neck or got some earrings like that. They make diamonds. Diamonds are just lumps of coal that have been put under extreme pressure. And God wants to make diamonds out of us. So don't settle for being a lump of coal. <laughs> don't settle for being a lump of coal. Don't settle for, for being content with fool's gold. Wait for and seek after the real deal through the pressure and the pain, which leads to great wisdom in Christ. Amen? So there's two parts in making wise choices that I want to touch on real quick is how do I make wise choices? So I'm going to cultivate a seeking heart that follows hard after God so that I can make wise choices. Okay, somehow I'm going to learn through people, interaction with people, also through pain, how to make wise choices. But then how do I make these choices once I do it? Once I get to that place where I need to? There's two parts to this too. First, you got to know what's right. You just got to know what's right. Now, there's a lot of wisdom in the world that says this is the right way, but it's not necessarily God's way. We live in a world where many people have lost all sense of right and wrong. Have we not? I mean, we see what's going on in our culture today, in our government. We see what's going on in the world today. And there's just a lot of shades of gray going on, is there not? Right is right based on how the wind's blowing. Or right is right based on how I feel today. Right is right based on what that person says. Right is right based on just whatever opinion, just the way that the, just the, way that the crowd is going. I'm going to follow along. We've got to know, church, what is right. We got to know right is right, even if no one is doing it. Wrong is wrong, even if everyone is doing it. You see, the right that we base our lives upon is God's word. It's that Bible that you're holding in your hands today, that you open up every day. That is what is right. God's word is eternal. God's word never changes. God's word is black and white. There are no shades of gray in God's word. Psalm 119, verse 97, we're going to start there. This is just the, the, the psalmist just speaking to this, the love that he has for the word. It says, oh, how I love your law. We can say, oh, how I love the Bible. Oh, how I love God's word. I meditate on it all day long. Your commands are always with me and make me wiser than my enemies. You see, as we get involved in God's word and revolve our lives around God's word, we understand what right and wrong is and black and white is, and that makes us wiser. Godly wise. I have more insight than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. In other words, I'm getting into your word every day. And then your word is getting into me. I have more understanding than the elders, for I obey your precepts. I have kept my feet from every evil path, and so that I might obey your word. You see, we understand that God's word is a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. He orders our steps. Based on his word, he will give us direction, the steps to take, so that we won't fall off, off of a cliff or off into the, the ditch somewhere. I have kept my feet from every evil path, so that I might obey your word. I've not departed from your laws, for you, for you yourself have taught me. Now listen to this. How sweet are your words to my taste. It becomes this wonderful flavor. It's just this wonderful, 
It's aroma, it's a taste. I just, I'm enjoying. How many's ever eaten something you just so enjoy? It's like, I can't wait to eat that again, right? How many has a go-to meal, right? If you'll just make that, that's my favorite thing. You know what my favorite thing is? I'll eat it every time you make it. You know what I'm talking about? And you just enjoy it. That's what God's word is. It becomes something you just go, oh, this is my favorite thing. It just tastes so good. And it, oh, it feels so good going down. It's like, ah, I want another bite of that. You can make it any day you want to, and I will eat it. That's just what he's talking about. It's just this wonderful, wonderful, sweet taste. It's sweeter than honey to my mouth, he says. I gain understanding from your precepts. And therefore, I hate every wrong path. Let me say that again. I gain understanding from your precepts. In other words, I'm spending time in your word. I'm understanding it. I'm gaining wisdom from it. I'm growing in my knowledge and relationship with him and who God is in his wisdom. And as a result of that, I identify the paths that are wrong and therefore I'm not going to walk down that path. So I'll say it again. I gain understanding from your precepts. Therefore, and when you see something in the Bible that says therefore, you always want to find out what it's there for. So I gain understanding from your precepts. Therefore, it's pointing back to that. Therefore, I hate every wrong path. So as we know what right and right and right and right and right is based on God's word, we hate, we hate, we hate, we hate every wrong path because we know what they are. Your word is a lamp for my feet and it's a light for my path. Yeah, we know that scripture, but if you read it in this context, boy, it fleshes it out all the more, does it not? So young person, listen to me this, this morning. Young person, listen to me. Young person. Look at up here. Listen to me, young person. Get off your phones and look at me for a second. Look at me. Listen. Adults. All of us. Fall in love with God's word. Fall in love with God's word. Fall in love with God's word. Get off of Facebook and put your face in the book. Consume it. Keep it before you at all times. Let it help make you wiser so that you can make wiser choices that honor God and glorify God. It'll help you identify the paths. Now, paths has an S to it. That means there's plural. Did you know that there's a ton of paths out there to choose? Yeah, a ton of paths. But did you know that they will all lead to destruction except for one? Just one path won't. Every other path will lead to destruction. You, you tell me the path and I'll tell you that it's going to lead to destruction except for one. The one path that will not lead to destruction, that will lead to life, is the path that you choose to follow Christ. Every other path will lead to death. All those other paths will lead to destruction. There's one path that leads to life. So that's the first thing. We have to know what is right in our minds and in our hearts. And here's the second part of that, though, that we have to take courage to choose to do it. It's one thing to know it. It's another thing to actually do it. Doing it takes courage. That's why so few people do right things. Those people are chickens. They're chickens. 
People that don't have the courage to do the right thing are chickens. Go ahead and just make the chicken sound. You just, I know you want to do it. That's right. Just all them chickens out there. They're afraid of what other people think. They're more concerned with their reputation, their comfort, the acceptance by others, than standing up for what is right. We see that with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego back in the day. They did not bow down while everybody else did. Someone asked Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas once how he managed to deal with all the criticisms that come to anyone in a high-profile position. And he's really had his share of opposition, has he not? And he replied that the most important thing in life to discover is what you believe to be true and then to stand up for those beliefs no matter what. That's courage, not just knowing it, but doing it. He says, if you do what you know is right, it doesn't matter what people think. Ah, oh, I love that. That's not in the Bible necessarily, but it should be, right? If you, if, it doesn't, if you do what you know is right, and I'll add to this, if you do what you know is right based on God's word, then it does not matter what people think. So I ask you this morning, are you a chicken? Are you? Do you care more about what other, others think than God? Let me encourage you today to grow a strong spiritual backbone and not only know what's right, but do what is right based on God's word. Doing what is right is a sign of godly wisdom. You know, I, personally, I, I, I lean pretty much this way. I really don't care what people think. I really don't. Maybe to a fault. There's some times that I do, but most of the time I don't. Because I know what I believe, and I know in whom I believe, and I just don't care what other people think. Paul wrote to young Timothy these words in 2 Timothy 1.12. He says, that is why I'm suffering as I am. Paul's saying he's suffering. That's why I'm suffering as I am. Yet, this is no cause for shame because, and this should be a prayer for all of us, a statement for all of us, because I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I've entrusted to him until that day. How about unpack that for a second? What he's saying is this is I don't care what you think, I don't care what you do to me, I don't care what you say about me, because I know that I'm standing up for God and I'm believing Jesus Christ is my Messiah, my Lord, my soon coming Savior. He's coming back soon, and I'm committed to him, my life, my all, and because I know one day he's coming back. Until that day, I'm gonna stand for him. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Is that you today? If it is, let me hear you shout, Amen. Hallelujah. Do you know whom you have placed your faith in today, church? Are you firmly convinced? Are you unwavering? Are you solidly rooted in Christ Jesus? If so, then church, take courage and then make godly wise choices. Know it, but then do it no matter what people say or think. I choose to have the courage to live out what I know is right based on God's eternal word. How about you? How about you? You know, the rest of the world will change and the rest of the world will fade away, but the Bible says that God's words will never change and will remain. They are eternal. The rest of the world can live in shades of gray, but I choose to live in the absolute truth of God's word. How about you? Amen? Amen. So let me just close this out today by asking you, do you want to make your life count? As I said at the beginning of the message today, do you want to make your life count? Do you want to live a life of significance 
If so, then let me encourage you to live a life devoted fully and wholeheartedly to Jesus Christ. So let me ask you, as you're living a life of, and you want to make your life count, what or who are you seeking? In other words, what are you putting your best energies towards? Are, are, are you following hard after God or are you following hard after other things? Is it a temporary thing of this world? Is it the fickle adoration of people? What are you following after? What are you following hard after? Do you want to be like Billy Graham or do you want to be like Elvis Presley? Who among you wants to be godly wise today? If so, then have a heart that follows hard after God, church. Seek him with all that's within you. Because if you seek him, you will find him. He's not hard to find. And I love that he's as close as the mention of his name. Would you just say Jesus right now? He's right there. You, he, he's, not, he's not showing up saying, well, if someone's name, say my name. He was right there. He's just right there going, yeah, what? He's right there. He, he's just right there. He's as close as the mention of your name, as his, of his name. And, and you know that he's here, but he's also in your moment of temptation. He's right there in your moment where you have to make that quick decision. He's in your moment of pain. He, he's, he's there in those times where you need him the most. He'll never leave you or forsake you. And in him is all the wisdom that you'll ever need. Yeah, it's free. But it'll cost you everything. But I promise you it's worth it. Would you stand with me this morning? And I just ask you to close your eyes, bow your heads, and just, let's just do some business with the Lord here this morning for just a few more moments. Would you close your, close your eyes and bow your heads and just, just spend some time worshiping the Lord? Jesus, we, we come before you today asking you to help us to not go after the fool's gold, to be satisfied with being a lump of coal, to not pursue earthly wisdom, to not run from the pain, to not be satisfied with where we are in you. Father, this is what I ask. I ask that you'd help us to first and foremost reverence you. To fear you, to respect you. God, you're the God of the universe. The creator of everything seen and unseen. We reverence you today. We don't take you for granted. We, we're sorry for treating you poorly. For treating you cheaply. Father, for treating you like you're not worth anything or not worth much. Father, we're sorry for compartmentalizing you and placing you in certain places in our life, but not everywhere. Help us to reverence you. Help us to give you our whole heart. That's the beginning of wisdom. It's a pursuit of relationship with you. Help us to pursue relationship with you. Help our lives to count for things, Lord, as we, as we walk with you. Let the things that we do be eternal in their importance, eternal in their impact. Father, help us today to cultivate a seeking heart that follows hard after you, Lord. Lord, we know that this 
wisdom that we're seeking, that we need, that we hunger for. We know it's free, but we also know it's going to cost us everything, but that's okay because it's worth it. You're worth it. You're worth it. We give you our lives. We give you our all. Help us, Father God, to grab hold of that wisdom, to have that understanding heart, to be a specialist in these areas through the people that we hang out with, through the pain that we experience, that we would grow in you, Lord God. That we would hunger for your word, that we would know what is right, that we would do what is right, no matter the cost, no matter what anybody else says. Lord, we desire more than anything to grow in godly wisdom. With every eye closed and head bowed, this morning, you may be saying, well, I I want that wisdom and I think I've pursued other sorts of wisdom, but I don't need that wisdom because that's a path that's leading me down destruction. That earthly wisdom is really foolishness. That wisdom changes from day to day. That wisdom changes from opinion to opinion. Lord, we want the wisdom that comes from you. Yeah, we're doing things that are legal, but they're not wise. We're doing things that that are acceptable, but they're not wise. They're not pleasing to you. They're not honoring you. They're not aligned with your word. They're not doing, we're not doing anything. We're doing things that maybe the world applauds us, but your heart is grieved. Forgive us. If that's you this morning, I just want you to just say, Lord, I'm in a place right now where I'm engaging in things that are legal, but they're not wise. And in fact, they're sinful. They may be legal, but they're sinful. They're not pleasing to you. It's not pursuing a heart for you. It's pursuing a heart to fulfill my flesh. For, forgive me. If that's you this morning, I just want you to pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, forgive me for pursuing my flesh. Help me to pursue you, to go hard after you, to pursue you, all that's within me. I may be doing things that are legal, but they're not pleasing to you. So forgive me and help me to hunger for your word, to pursue relationship with you, and to follow hard after you so that when those temptations come, those struggles are there, when the opportunities to fall back are there instead I'll fall into your arms I'll trust in you you're my strength you're my help your word is my guide your spirit is my helper I love you Jesus help me today this week in my life Lord for the rest of us that's really all of us in this place Help us to be a mentor to someone or maybe to be mentored, to be open to that and to receive it. And Lord, through our pain, that we would not be satisfied with the fool's gold, but that we would allow you to bring pure gold from us. The lump of coal that we are make diamonds out of us because we need your wisdom. And that wisdom can be poured into it's being poured into us we would pour into others so that we can make our life count for eternal purposes so that we can pass on what's been passed to us to others we need your wisdom who among us is wise today Lord let us start off by cultivating a seeking heart that follows hard after you 
Help us to follow hard after you this week. More than anything else that we pursue this week, Jesus, help us to pursue you this week. Let us begin to build that muscle in our lives to pursue you more than anything else. We thank you, Lord. 